You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. This is Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Kayla Benny, also in Ocala, Florida. And you are listening to the monthly Total EquiHealth Health and Fitness episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 27th. This episode is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Thursday of the month, brought to you by Total EquiHealth. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. Oh, Jen, we have had a month. We've had a month. <laughs> We've had a month. <laughs> now, this 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 show is for the latter part of April, so we've enjoyed most of April here in Central Florida. And generally speaking, springtime in Central Florida is quite lovely, but we're having quite a dry spring so far. So because human beings are really good about whining about the weather, we're all whining and complaining about the fact that we haven't gotten any rain yet. And the grass is pretty much non-existent. But also, I think that anybody else, anywhere else in the United States specifically, I don't think that they're going to care because the weather has been out of control <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I don't think Mother Nature has taken her meds. That's and she's it. gone bipolar. <laughs> That's it. She's gone bipolar. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> and so we, we're supposed to be wet and green and and spring-like and going into summer. And it just feels like summer, except for that we're getting cold weather at times. Colder than I remember last year being at times. I had to pull out my blankets again. I mean, my horses are clipped, so... Yeah. Mind you, but I, I think, I yeah, I think it was out. a little cooler. I think the cooler and the dry kind of went together. Yeah. But before we, before we get too far into what oh. we've been up to and catching up, coming up on today's show, we are going to chat with our guest whose name is Dr. Jamie Shorts of Pacific Performance Chiropractic. And she's going to talk about her passion for equestrian fitness and chiropractic alignment to help us reach our performance goals. There we go. And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to wax poetic a bit about, um, Happy skin in springtime for humans yes. and horses. Yes, yeah. you saw what I did there up up in our uh, dis- our description. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we April don't have here. April showers. <laughs> no. Although today, as we record this show in the afternoon, I was out at the barn and I heard ominous rumbling thunder in the background. Yeah, <gasps> what is that sound? And by golly, if we didn't get one whale of a little storm, oh, and we got. Oh, probably half an inch of rain in a span of about 20 minutes, which is really common here. That's what you yes. would typically see this time of year. Yes. But that's the first, what I would call measurable rain we've had here in more than a month. But it was very, very isolated. It was pouring down rain at the barn, and we live seven miles away from the barn, and we didn't get a drop. But- well, that happened yesterday as well. Like, I, w- where my farm is, um, you know, up in between Weck and Hits, they they barely got any rain. And then I drove to Rural King, which is 15 minutes down the road. It's like a, a Walmart and Tractor Supply had a baby and Rural King was born. <laughs> and I, I just love it. It's my favorite store. But um, 
it was pouring down rain and it was like nobody knew how to drive in the rain in the parking lot. I almost got hit twice because people were panicking and dropping everybody off right at the door because nobody can get wet because we're all made of sugar. Um, So, and you know, you just put your hat up, but we hadn't seen rain in so long. I completely understand. Everyone was just pure panic. Pure panic. And then I drove back to the farm and it was dry and I was so disappointed. I was like, Rural King didn't need rain. It has asphalt. I have grass. I need rain. You need rain. You need rain. I discovered something. Yes. I was wearing one of my sun shirts at the barn today, and of course, I got dumped on. I was utterly and completely soaked. There was water inside my paddock boots uh, by the time I left and hopped in the truck to drive home. Your sun shirts, those, the materials they use when you get sweaty, help your skin feel cooler when you sweat. Mm-hmm. Well, if you just get drenched by a downpour when you're wearing those... That effect is amplified. I was freezing. I had yes. to get a hoodie out of the back. I was seat. waiting for you to be like, I was so cold. <laughs> I was freezing. Yeah. It was weird. I wonder, I wonder if that's one way you could cool yourself in the summer or if it would be, you know, I don't know. it would do the opposite. Like if you spritzed yourself, well, if it would have that cooling effect or would you just feel that. slimy? I'm going to go out there to the barn one of these times when it gets up into the 90s. And the humidity makes it feel like it's 112. I'm going to drench my sun shirt and I'll <laughs> let, I'll report back. I'll let you know. You're going to have an 80s music video going on. Yes. <laughs> Pour some sugar on me. I can just see it now. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so have, have your horses gotten their coach changed around yet? Because horses that are clipped and horses that are left au natural, um, the process of changing their coats because when they shed out their winter coat, they're not just shedding out their winter coat. They grow a whole new coat of hair. Yes. Yeah. And then the same thing happens in the next season when they grow in there, they're growing a whole new set of hair. So have your guys, have your, have your guys completely finished their transition or are they still midway? No, they're, they're pretty much done. Um, and I think, too, I think we don't realize it, but I do think that they still shed out. It's just such smaller hairs that you it's don't really hairs, yes. see it. Yes, they definitely um, shed out. Yeah. So, you know, and and my horses, when they finished uh, Winter Circuit, which was the end of March, I haven't clipped them since um, since then. And And typically we would clip every... You know, some people are really neurotic and would clip every, you know, three to four weeks. And I would just clip wow. as necessary. Um, so just as they got got uh, a little bit thicker with their coats, I would just clip. Um, and sometimes, you know, I have people that help me clip and they'd be like, there's nothing to clip. And I'm like, yes, there is. Clip it. <laughs> um, because Doki, Doki has breathing issues. He's a, he's a roarer. And so he, I make sure he is always if he is exerting himself he is clipped so that he can cool himself properly um because sometimes he's not getting i think as much oxygen intake as as a normal horse but i you know so you know we'll be clipping and i'll be doing one side somebody's doing the other side they're like i don't think we're getting anything i'm like we're getting something you know just keep going um And, but now he's grown that out and, and it's very much a spring coat that he has. So, you know, it's thinner, it's sleeker. Um, I don't, I don't know if sleeker is a word, but we're going to use it. It's very soft and, and 
close to the skin. Um, but I will probably in the next couple weeks as his workload increases back up because he had a break. Um, I'll clip him again. Uh, and then just as the other horses need it, as they get get thicker hair, only because in Florida, it's when it's hot, it's hot, you know, yes. and I want them to be able to cool themselves um, in a more nap. Not, I guess, well, it's unnatural, but you know, just be the most efficient in the way they cool themselves. Cause I do think if they overheat themselves enough times, and I know this isn't maybe scientifically proven, but I do think it helps spur uh, maybe the idea of anhydrosis because their, their body overheats and, and, and everything, all the mineral imbalances and everything that it creates and whatever, whatever. So I'm just super paranoid that like you will stay as cool as you possibly can. <laughs> well, that's that's a CYA. That's called yeah, smart because you're right. There's an association, empirical association, but they don't have any science-based evidence for it. But you're right. Uh, no, and I'm hear sure that commonly that if a horse becomes not just sweaty but overheated, yeah, like their core temperature gets yes, really really hot through through either weather or work or a combination thereof. If that happens repeatedly, it can contribute to, contribute to that happening. And hey, the way I look at it. If it's a contributing factor, let's avoid it at all costs, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I'm sure there will be people that, you know, also think the latter of like, you know, well, their coat's there to protect them and to kind of keep the heat off of them. And that's probably true for your average, more recreational horse. But, you know, you've got to think that the horse, like what I'm asking Doki to do, jump around Grand Prix show jumping is not not your average everyday riding and he's exerting himself in a very significant way. So, you know, and, and similar to even what I'm asking my young horses to do, jump 130, jump 120, um, you know, asking them to go forward and gallop for short periods of time. It's not like they're event horses, but, uh, you know, you know, I think that there is the fact of like, you, they compare it to dogs who have undercoats. You don't want to shave the undercoat. Um, cause that helps keep them cool. And I think that like a small amount of hair does block the UV rays from, from getting them too hot. But again, I'm not a vet. I'm not a scientist. It's just something that I do and I think helps. And so if it's and not harming them, you're sticking with it. <laughs> and I'm sticking with it. Darn it. I don't want to get an email from anyone saying, don't clip your horse. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, I think. The, the thing there is if you're clipping your horse when it's not the winter season and they don't have that extra heavy coat, you have to to alter your management of that horse. He doesn't have the protection from the sun, so you'd best better keep him out of the hot sun during the daytime and put and a fly sheet on him. And yep. You have to alter your care appropriately. It's just like when you clip them in the winter. You you can't just shave their hair off. You have to sh If you're going to shave their hair off, you have to groom them appropriately. You have to blanket them appropriately. You have to cool them out appropriately. And if you're clipping them in the summertime, you still have to do all of those things. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So, just well, be smart. <laughs> just, get, just be smart. There you go. Just be smart. Just like our guest is going to be smart. <laughs> yes. So how did Equine Affair go for you? You were at the Equine Affair, which is a ginormous trade show held in Columbus, Ohio every year. And it's huge with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vendors and entertainments and demonstrations and clinicians. And you hung out up there for a couple of days, didn't you? 
I did. So I went and did a pop-up with Funky Unicorn, and she did an interview that was on um, one of the shows last week. Um, and when Glenn was, because Glenn was there, and so I, I harassed him a lot. Um, but I did a pop-up with Funky Unicorn because I carry their treats on the website because they fall in line with Total Equa Health being health fitness related. Um, uh, well, it's health related. Um, and it, it was interesting. Um, now, is this the, the first time you've gone to, yes. to Equine Affair as a vendor? Yes. Well, it's the first time I've ever been to Equine Affair. Oh, I've heard wow. a lot about it, um, but I've never, I've never gone. And now I'm going to go to the Massachusetts one too, because I loved it so much. Um, there were a lot of people. <laughs> it is I, a mob scene, isn't it? I have perfected my spiel for Funky Unicorn. <laughs> 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 At least I thought I had. And then, you know, your brain starts to get tired as the day goes on and you start just throwing words out. I'm like, electrolyte, treat, banana, mint, apple. And they're like, are those the flavors? I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep, those are the flavors. They're so delicious. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I've not talked this long ever. Yeah. Um, it's exhausting, we, isn't it? We it really is. I think riding horses is less exhausting than talking mm-hmm. to people that yes. much. But I enjoyed it, and I loved meeting. There were a bunch of auditors, a bunch. Um, so that was really exciting to to meet people. Um, and and then walk around as well and you know see all the different types of vendors and i mean there was everything from western wear to english wear to regular street wear type things um you can buy everything from braid bands to horse trailers and everything in between yeah it yeah. was it was wild and the the amount of people that came from everywhere you know there were people from california colorado Canada, um, which I guess Ohio is not that far from Canada, but but <laughs> it's closer than California. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, but it was just wild that you know this was a destination spot. And yes, I've heard of it, but and maybe that's just me being naive to the fact of how huge it is. And I heard that Massachusetts one in November is even bigger, which is mind-boggling to me that people are willing to go to Massachusetts in November. <laughs> But um, those Northerners, they're hardy. But I'm, but you know, that's why I'm in Florida now. So there you go. Um, that's going to be tough for you because November is really <laughs> coming close into your competition season. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to look at the dates. Um, but you know, I've got a good team down here that can keep my horses going, and um, and we'll make it happen. Um, because Total Echo Health really needs to get out there, and it was really fun to get the message of Total Echo Health, which I don't know, you know, even with the the ad, um, that it kind of encompasses exactly what Total Echo Health is, which is so. I don't think the listeners understand. I know I've said it a couple times, but I, I am Total Echo Health. You know, Kayla Benny is is total equal health with my business partner, uh, Don Willie, who also, um, you know, is my business partner on the horse side of things as well. And we are very passionate about equine health and wellness, but not just, you know, okay, we have the vet out to visit and now they're fixed and they're better. It's, you know, the products that we carry, the, the things that we have on the site are literally for, 
equestrian and rider health and wellness on a more natural level, which is what the message I was trying to get out to everybody. And I know, you know, people can say that it's a little hippy dippy on like, we do use a lot of products that are sulfate free, paraben free, use essential oils and things like that to um, promote healing. But it's also, I hated using all the topical salves that have drugs and things in them. Then I would have to go run and wash my hands because I was too lazy to go find gloves. And there are more natural ways to help promote healing and health where if you get it on your hands, you just rub it in and you go, well, that's moisturizing. And, <laughs> and you, you move on with your day. Well, yes, there's, there are more options now yes. than there were 20 years ago. And there are more options that offer that um, lack of consequence. Yes. You know, the, the number of years that we all spent, and you probably a little less so because you're, you're considerably younger than I am, but I remember for years and years and years, 20, 30 years, get out the furacin ointment, oh. the, the yellow, oh. thick, goopy stuff, this slap it on the horses. Over. We never washed our hands. Yeah. It just like, uh, and then, you know, 35 years later, I look, I look at, oh, wait a minute. What was I doing? You're like, what is going on? Well, yeah, What's no. And it's, there's other products out there that if people actually read the ingredients, you know, and, and they do work, you know, those products, but there's formaldehyde in these products. That's, that's things that preserve dead bodies. Okay. <laughs> like that's disgusting. Do you really need formaldehyde? You, yeah. No. I mean, it, I mean, I'm sure there's a reason it's in there, but there are other ways to get the same effect um, and not worry about what you're putting on your body or like, you know, getting nasty purple stains or blue stains all over your hand. And I mean, we already smell bad. We don't need to look like we came out of the barn. We can, we People already can smell us. So we don't need to <laughs> tell anybody. So, um, it. You know, and a lot of the more natural products also smell really good, you know, so it's <laughs> there's that too. Um, but, you know, like even just. It was it was really cool to see that there were a lot more products on the market, even at the Equine Affair. You know, I walked around and got a lot of uh, business cards and hopefully we'll be carrying more lines here soon. Um but but the the thing is, when we carry more lines, I will be testing all the products, and if I like them, then I carry them. So if I don't like and use them in my barn, I don't carry the product. So beware, those of you out there making these products, make sure they smell good. Otherwise, because I'm Kayla, picky. Total Equi Health is not interested. <laughs> if it's a great product and it smells nasty, she's just not going to have it. Yeah, I'm just not going to have it. I am very picky, and you know, I'm the who's who. Apparently, no, I joke. <laughs> I I'm digressing, but. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that was my biggest mission at the Equine Affair was to, yes, help promote Funky Unicorn. I love the product. Actually, the more I talked about it, the more I loved it. <laughs> um, and and just so everyone knows, I the Funky Unicorn electrolyte treats that were on the show, and I'm sure she said this, but they're made in a human pharmaceutical factory. So they're human-grade ingredients. So I heard that, and I was like, so we can eat these? And she goes, well, you know... you're I'm not promoting it for human consumption. And I was like, but I could eat them is what you're saying. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not promoting them for human. I was like, okay. And I just popped them in, uh, in my mouth. And, um, the banana tastes like a salty runt, like the candy, the runts. Um, so it's a salty banana 
And it was not offensive, you know, and it actually 15 minutes later, I was like, I need a bottle of water, like a whole bottle of water. (laughs) So it it does its job. Um, And, you know, and that's the whole idea behind Total Equa Health. The products do their job and they're healthy. They promote health. They promote fitness in whatever capacity. And uh, and then we can live a longer, happier, maybe vet bill free or less vet bills there we life. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no guarantees, but <laughs> prevention is better than cure, right? Yes, exactly. There you go. So one of the things we wanted to chat a little bit about today, because you had sort of a break with the horses competition wise, but so you finished up your circuit about when? Um, so I finished up the circuit at the end of March. Um, so, and then I gave my horses about three weeks off if they were competing heavily. Um, a couple of my young horses actually got the last couple weeks of circuit off cause I was just so busy. So that was their break. Um, and then they're coming back in gearing up for summer, summer activities. So, um, but like Doki in it, for instance, he jumped the last day of circuit, um, that Sunday, the 145 classic and, uh, he was, he was ninth. So, you know, yay snaps for us. Um, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, and then he got three full weeks off. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a horse gym treadmill. So he did still treadmill. Um, but he did not see a saddle or a bridle for three weeks. He just lived in turnout and treadmilled, um, just to stay moving just because he's so big and I don't want him to completely let down because with his breathing, I I like his lungs to stay active and working, Mm -hmm. um, but on a less strenuous level than, you know, doing trot and canter sets and jumping and, and all of that sort of stuff. So when you when you bring Doki back to work, who's your he's kind of your first string horse? Yes. Um, what is your process with him? What does what does that look like the first month or so you start bringing him back? So it's it's slow. Um, luckily, he's been treadmilling, so you know I hop on and I'll take him for hacks in the wood the wooded area. And then I come out into the ring, um, just because it's better footing and do some light trot sets, you know, start with a five minute trot set and then I'll walk for a little bit and then maybe do another five minute trot set. And then I'll go for another hack, you know, so he's walking for, you know, 30, 40 minutes and he did 10 minutes total of trotting. I'll do that for a couple days. Um, and then incorporate some canter work in, Um, and then he's just kind of back to flat work after that, you know, with him, I do a lot of balancing exercises. So a lot of counter canner, um, and, uh, forwards and backs in within the gate. So a lot of forward trot back, you know, where he's trotting on the spot and then forward again, big bursts, same in the canner work. And that'll be for, you know, two to three minutes and then just normal trotting or cantering for a couple more minutes. Um, and then working all the way up to back to his fitness level, which he'll do three, 10 minute trot sets. Um, and then some light cantering if he needs to with some counter canter mixed in, um, just for his balance. Cause working on his, his lead changes. Cause like I've said before, you know, those him being so big, I, I don't stress the lead changes, but we try to just, 
balance and you'll actually hear later on in the interview with the chiropractor and the sports fitness um, part, side of things, working those side like left and right side independently. So those counter canners uh, and everything are really good for the horses to um, maintain strength and balance, you know, for short blips of time um, and just building that up. That's also going to help him with his, with his lead changes in the long run. So uh, I do a lot of that, but I won't jump him for at least two weeks, bringing him back, if not closer to three weeks, and then I'll start jumping. Now for him, quote unquote, jumping is a little bit different. Like I'll still do Cavalettis and like small jumps, but that's more, I'm doing flat work in between. And then we'll just canter over a rail or, or a Cavaletti or a very, very low, you know, two foot, two foot, three jump, um, which to him is a Cavaletti. So, um, yeah, two foot three is almost <laughs> to his knees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's still below, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he'll do a lot of that, and then we'll just slowly start jumping. You know, some some smaller fences, some do some lines, some bounces, things like that, and then and then he'll be away uh, again, probably mid to late May. Um. I and I do it very very slow. Some people bring the horses back. Uh, a little bit quicker than that. And as his fitness grows, you know, it, it could be shorter if I wanted it to be, but I, for me, I'm not showing till the summer. So I, I have all of, you know, the end of April, May and part of June before we start showing again. So I can take my time, time. but I will be doing, you know, starting mid May or even a little bit earlier, he'll start doing his canter sets again. Um, so I treat him a little bit more like an event horse and I do, I do do canter sets. I do them in the ring, so I'm not out in a field, uh, doing it, but I, our f- arena, well, you saw last night when I showed you at Glenn's yeah, birthday the are- dinner. The arena is a similar <laughs> size to, um, a large the, paddock. <laughs> no, it's a small pasture. <laughs> it just happens to have footing in it. Yes. So we are spoiled. Um, so I'll do canter sets in there. And so I start with, I'll probably do three, three minute canners and then work up to three fives. Um, and then he'll do a 10 minute trot before and probably a five minute trot after that, um, is, is kind of his, his fitness regime. And then he'll go on a hack, uh, before and after as well. Cause he doesn't like being in the ring. So I try to do a lot of my stuff outside of the ring. And even if I can find good footing out, I'll trot him out, uh, of the ring. And then I just come in, do my canter sets and then get off the ring again and go do my trot sets and stuff, you know, out in a field or, uh, in the woods, if the footing's good. Um, Mm -hmm. so and and I do I treat my other horses very similarly, but maybe they're not in as high of an intensity of the canter sets. Um, you know, I maybe don't time them, but I I use they tell me okay, so we're gonna go forward, we're gonna go forward. You're getting fatigued. We'll slow down for a little bit. Now we'll trot, walk, and then we'll do it again. Um, and just try to prolong uh, each time. It's it's like reading your own body, right? So you guys. When we work out, we we push ourselves, we push ourselves, we try to meet the timer. Maybe we physically can't, so we stop, but then the next time we can get a little bit closer, a little bit closer, um, is how I treat my other horses. I'm just a little bit more intense with Doki because of his breathing, that I really want to train his lungs to expand and contract and get the airway up without 
completely fatiguing him. Um, and I just slowly build on that. And, uh, and then we do some other things like he has a nebulizer that he uses to help, you know, return the oxygen or keep the airway healthy for him. You know, there's, there's, we're a bit extra when it comes to him. He, (laughs) he jumps and does all of his canter sets in a flare strip so that it opens up his nasal passage and gets all the air that it can into there. Like, you know, I do do a lot, a lot of extra stuff. <laughs> oh, it's because Doki's special. Cause he is special. And he, <laughs> he will special. tell you, he is like, he's like, I'm the center of the world. It spins <laughs> around me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, that, that that's interesting. Cause each, there's always the basics. You bring the horses back, you bring them back slowly and you have to get the skeleton and the stay apparatus, the tendons and the ligaments, they come first, and then the muscles, and then the wind, kind of in that order. So you have to start out slow. But each horse and each program and each discipline, it, it varies just a tiny bit. It's interesting that you are leaning into your previous life as an eventer to benefit your Grand Prix jumpers' fitness level. That experience mm-hmm. you had getting horses cardiovascularly fit they have to be very fit with their wind and their cardiovascular their their heart for eventing but you're applying that experience and that knowledge to look to doki who has some special needs when it comes to getting fit in that respect yeah and then you know and then people are like wow you've gotten him really fit and i'm like yes and i do regret this as i'm in the (laughs) warm-up flying sideways there's yeah there's (laughs) that but, but once I get in the ring, yeah. he'll recover quickly and we can, you know, make it to the jump off. And, you know, there's only so fast I can go on him in the jump off because his, to go fast, his step gets about 15 feet long. And and so then you're cutting st- strides out and things like that. And you have to be careful. So it's not like I'm going to go in there and be a Ferrari. I just have to be really uh, quite quite smart, but I know that my horse is recovered and is ready to do the job that I'm asking him to do. Right. It's, so you don't, you don't want to put him, put him out there because horses are stoic and horses love to try hard. Yes. So you can take your horse out there and push them a little bit and say, we need a little more speed. The horse is going to go, sure, yes. I'll give it to you. But yes. if he's really not fit enough, the result is not going to be what it could be. He's you're yeah. really not doing him any favors by not having him fit enough. Well, and jumpers, you know, as a whole, they need short bursts of energy, right? So, like, you know, even my young horse, I'll do, like I said, I'll do those short bursts of really forward and then coming back and then really forward. And, and like, my younger horse, Kensington, who I don't talk about enough on here, um, he's, you know, eight and jumping around the 130s and stuff. But he's fast, you know, and and he – but he needs the short bursts, and I don't need him super-duper fit because that horse would buck me off in a heartbeat and not because he's mean, just because he's very flamboyant and he would get very excited. So, you know, I don't treat him like an event horse. I treat him like a jumper, and we do those short bursts of forward and back, and, you know, he does a lot of trotting, and and he's fit, and he treadmills, and he does all the things, but – maybe not as long. It's not a long and slow process. It's more of a burst of, of cardiovascular, uh, and, uh, having his lungs open up, but he doesn't need that, that long, like let's pull, let's pull all the oxygen through and, and all of that sort of stuff. So earlier in the show, we alluded to April showers and getting tons of rain. And I, I suspect 
there is some part of the country right now that is just getting torrential rain on a daily basis. And it really sucks when you have horses and you get torrential rain on a daily basis because invariably their skin turns to fungicidal crap. And I heard that Total EquiHealth has something that wants to address that. Yes. Yeah, so our, our highlighted, our Total EquiHealth Equidu moment uh, today is the H3 oil. Um, and I actually, I talked a lot of it a lot about it at the equine affair it's um it's a newer product i have talked about their super white cream that they that they have but it's all stems from the core product the h3 oil which is the herbal healing oil um so it's an all herbal healing oil that heals cuts scrapes greasy heal dew poisoning um it clears up and prevents scratches and it's literally so i equate it to do you remember jen my big fat greek wedding yes like not my personal big fat greek wedding but <laughs> the the movie um and the the father who loved windex and windex cured everything yes um h3 oil is my windex so <laughs> i have it in i actually and like i joke but i was telling the i the manufacturer the lady who makes it it's small batch made um in the u.s actually in maryland and I was telling her, I was like, this is my Windex. And if you could make it in a spray bottle, that would be fantastic. And she went and she made it in a spray bottle. And I'm just so excited. No, really? Because now I can literally spray it on everything. Um, so it's handcrafted and blended in small batches. It contains a highly effective all herbal or it's organic herbal blended oil with coconut, avocado, and olive oil. So it's actually nurturing and like nourishing and it promotes skin health and uh, hair regrowth. But the oil that's in it um, is antibacterial, antifungal, and anti-inflammatory properties with rosemary and thyme. Um, it contains zero tea tree oil, zero lavender, zero mineral oil, no petroleum distillates, no chemicals, no added preservatives. Um, so if you get it on your skin, I usually just rub it on my hands because it is an oil. So it does get a little bit everywhere. Um, but what's nice about it, Jen, is if you spray it on the horse or it does come in a twist off, which is easier to apply um, because it also combats thrush and things like that. So you can really? take the twist. The, yeah. And you could take the twist off and and just use it where since it's an oil, it fills in all the cracks. You just put it, you know, under the like around the frog and it'll seep in. Um, and they mm. actually found that a lot of the, um, you know, the cracks in the hooves and stuff and then the bacteria gets in. You can paint it on the hoof. So she came up with the hoof formula with a with a paintbrush and everything. And you put it on the hooves and it helps close up those cracks and uh, promotes healthy hoof growth um, and and a harder sole. So if you're putting on the sole, um, but yet it still stays nourishing. So it's not going to dry it out and crack it. And you're not getting the nasty formaldehydes from similar uh, products on the market and, and things like that. So, but if you get it on your skin, you just rub it in. It's coconut oil, avocado oil, like, and it nourishes, keeps your hands soft. Like you're not running to the sink and like, oh my God, uh, I got to get this off my hands. Yeah. Um, well, the, yeah, the, the whole process of many, many products that we put on hooves, particularly on the bottom of their hoof for things like thrush. It kills the thrush, yep. but it's really not doing any favors to the tissues around the thrush. Correct. 
It, so it, this is a, a great alternative if you want to get rid of the thrush, but still take good care of the tissue surrounding the thrush. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. And she, now, is the H3 oil also good for the outside of their foot or is there a different product? Yes. The no, it's good for the outside of the hoof as well. So, um, so she, and there's a lot of, um, on her Instagram page, which I think is H3 oil, um, on the Instagram, she has a lot of before and afters for the hooves for like do poisoning on the nose, um, and, uh, scratches and stuff like that, that I don't particularly share all the time on, um, total equa health page just because they're kind of nasty looking. Um, but the, the after pictures are really spectacular because it's all clear, um, and, and everything, but she, she puts it on the outside of the hoof. She puts it on the soles. Um, you can put it anywhere on the body. So like for the rain rot, the nastiness, you can put a blanket over it. It's not going to get everywhere. Um, it's not going to stain things. And we actually found that with the oil, because of the blend that she makes, um, it, it brings all the scurf and all the nastiness up off the, like onto the tips of the hair. So you can wipe it off and, really? and everything. Yeah. But oh. it actually doesn't encourage things to stick to it. So like if you're the reason she made it. So just, just to put it in perspective and I've actually had the lady on when it was a sales and breeding uh, episode on horses in the morning, Be Becky Davis, and they have the largest thoroughbred breeding farm in Maryland. And the her father is a veterinarian and um her daughter specializes in chinese medicine so they actually all got together um she's the the mastermind but she picked their brains on on a few things and um they were using it on the breeding farm because they don't have time to bring all these horses in i mean she's got like 90 head out there at times and and things like that so all the broodmares you know are sitting out in the wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, just kind of like manifesting all this skin funk. And they started treating with this oil. And, you know, so they're out there. They can't be properly washed all the time. You go out and treat with the oil. The dirt doesn't stick to it as they roll and, and things like that, but it's pulling the other dirt off of, off of mm. the hair so you can wipe it off. And so it's a really easy way to kind of, um, and, to kind of for if you're limited in your space to kind of keep things clean, but also like, you know, for my horses that get bathed daily, it's, you know, the oil sticks to it and pulls stuff off, but isn't super abrasive and, um, and nourishes the skin. So then I don't have to kind of clean them with abrasive products. I can just rinse them and I rinse and put some vinegar and water and, splash it on them and and away we go away so we go. so you're gonna go to total equi health yes it's spelled just like it sounds total equihealth.com and h3 oil and it's all under the horse section under everyday um, health no, no grooming so, it's always oh, yes, grooming. It's under grooming it's under grooming and and you can just go to the search engine and put in h3 oil um she's got a couple different products there but the oil is going to be the most potent the super white cream which i've talked about previously but i don't think i quite explained it very well is the same oil but in a uh a cream base which has uh beeswax 
uh, zinc and um, what's the other uh, coconut oil, um, but like in a more condensed form. So it's light. It doesn't go on super white, but it still seals off the the bad moisture and locks in the good moisture. So um, yeah, H3 oil and affordable, a little goes a long way. So you don't need a lot to, to get a lot out of it. And it's a staple in my barn and I'm not, I'm not lying. Like you could go into my barn and in every grooming section and all of our cabinets, there's, there's H3 oil. There you go. And now it's time for us to get on to our guest, Jamie Shorts. Dr. Jamie. Well, I'm super excited to invite Dr. Jamie Shorts on from Pacific Performance Chiropractic. Jamie is a certified chiropractic sports physician. Say that three times fast. She's also an FEI dressage competitor, and she started Pacific Performance Chiropractic, again, it's a mouthful, to help individuals achieve their health and performance goals through chiropractic, sports medicine, and fitness education. And... Once I found out what you did, Jamie, I was like, we have to have her on the show because she falls perfectly in line with Total EquiHealth and what I'm trying to do, bringing fitness and health awareness to the equine industry. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on the show. So I saw um, a short clip that you had shared on Facebook. Uh, well, it's it's not a short clip. It's a 45-minute workout uh, session, which was very intriguing. And I'm about to go do it right after we record this podcast because um, I thought it was really interesting. Also, having your background being chiropractic, sports medicine, along with the fitness education. So can you tell us a little bit about your philosophy and like why you kind of came up with these programs? Yeah, um, so there are a lot of things for riders specifically that are pretty different from any other athlete, and that's something I've found going through my education. I've had a lot of training in general rehab and sports rehab, but riders have issues that are unlike pretty much any other athlete. I sure can't think of any other sport where you're using predominantly the inside of your legs all the time. <laughs> yep. Um, as I call them, they don't fall off the horse muscles. Yes. And um, <laughs> really, there's no other sport where we're seeing such, it, that's the adductors of the legs are those that muscle group. And that alone can cause a lot of imbalances within the body, both for general physical health, but also for riding performance. Um, so I can get a little bit more into the technical side of that if you would like. Um, but Honestly, that in itself plays a huge role in when I'm designing these workouts or even when I'm working with a client one-on-one and addressing specific imbalances. That's something that really plays a big part in rider physiology. Um, And so that it forms a lot of the basis of when I'm designing those workouts. And then, of course, core is a huge part of rider fitness, especially for dressage riders. And so that incorporates in, but a lot of times in a different way than one would normally think. Um, We're not doing a lot of sit-ups. It's not a very functional movement. A lot of the core movements that are within the general fitness industry for more of like an aesthetic purpose are not necessarily super functional ways of using the core. When you're sitting on a horse, there's no movement you're doing that emulates the muscles that you'd use doing a crunch on the ground. And so you know, those two things, using the core functionally, which does involve a lot of breathing. Um, Breathing is a huge part of, um, 
any sort of fitness program to both protect the spine and to use the body in a really functional way. And then um, designing exercises that address and correct some of those functional imbalances from just the nature of riding. Let's be real. Our bodies were not designed to sit in a saddle and on a horse in the <laughs> not same way all. that our horses really weren't designed to do the things that we ask of them. Yep. <laughs> um, and so there's a lot of things that, that we can be doing outside of riding to both prolong our health and fitness and performance and perform better while we're at it. Now, so can you describe, kind of go back to the imbalances for a minute, um, you know, in layman's terms, what what are the most common imbalances you would see um, if a rider came to you? Sure. So the, the adductors I mentioned, those are the muscles on the inside yeah. of our legs. So we're using those a lot as riders. Um, this is going to get a little bit technical, but I'm going to try to keep it. I love as, it. As We're <laughs> nerds here. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, there is a process in the body called reciprocal inhibition. So basically what that means is if you're contracting a muscle, let's use the arm for an example. If you're contracting the flexors of your arm to do like a bicep curl, there's a neurological process that's telling the opposite muscles to relax. If we were to be contracting the bicep and the tricep at the same time, the arm would not flex. So that process is happening anytime you're using opposing muscles. So when we're riding, we're using our adductors constantly and for long periods of time. Again, there are very few sports where you're kind of maintaining a sustained posture for half hour, 45 minutes, however long you're riding. Yep. And so we're using those adductors both more than you would expect and a lot more often, which is turning off the muscles that oppose that, which would be abduction of the leg. Now, the muscles that are primarily doing abduction of the leg is our gluteus medius muscle, which is a huge pelvic stabilizer muscle. So um, if, you're, if you're standing and you stand on one leg, the role of the gluteus medius is to keep your pelvis level. Um, so if you're, if you're moving the leg, it pulls the leg away from midline, like you're put, yeah. pulling your leg sideways in the air. But if you're standing, if you're stationary, its job is to stabilize the pelvis. And so the gluteus medius also plays a huge role in riding. If we're say riding a half pass or just trotting down the long side, trying to sit straight, it's really important for that gluteus medius to keep our pelvis stable. So we're not collapsing. We're not, you know, sitting crooked on the horse. Right. Um, telling but, the horse to do something that we're not meaning to tell them to do. Right. Exactly. Um, but because we're always using those adductors, we're kind of fighting our neurology in a sense mm -hmm. that the neurology is saying, turn that muscle off, but we're saying, no, we actually need to use it. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's a huge one. And there are, there's a, another big word, neuroplasticity is basically kind of the use it or lose it principle. If you're using a neurological circuit often, um, you're going to strengthen that circuit. It's why if you are right-handed, you break your right hand and you have to start writing with your left hand, it does get better over time because the connection between the brain and that part of the body gets stronger the more you use it. And so that is one of the big reasons that I really emphasize doing strength training when you're not on the horse is because we do need to be working that neural circuit between our brain and that gluteus medius muscle that is kind of being turned off when we're riding. Um, and the best way to do that, um, if you look up online, you look up gluteus medius exercises, Dig will tell you to do the clamshell exercise. It's um, it does technically work that muscle, but again, like doing a sit-up, the clamshell exercises are not a very functional movement from the gluteus medius. If, you, if I don't know if you know what that exercise yeah, is. Yeah, kind of 
I've, I've seen it before where you basically, you kind of put your feet together, right? And then you, your legs go, uh, it kind of makes the shape of a clam. Exactly. You pull your knees apart and, yep. and technically that is, you know, the movement the gluteus medius is doing. But again, that's not a movement we're really doing when we're riding. It's not actually stabilizing the pelvis. It's just, it's, it's acting as a mover, which is really not the primary role of the gluteus medius. It's role as a stabilizer. Right. So the best way that the research has shown to actually work on gluteus medius as a stabilizer is single leg exercises. So you'll probably notice from that workout, there's a lot of single leg movements. I did. That involve having to stabilize the it, pelvis. It spoke to my heart. I was like, oh, yes, because we've talked on the on the podcast previously, you know, I've talked about, you know, working each side independently and building those stabilizing muscles. So like you, you speak to my soul right now. So I'm very, I'm just like (laughs) smiling over here. I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. You're already doing all the things you need to do then. (laughs) But yeah, so that's one of the big things that does definitely come in. And it's probably different than a lot of other rider workout programs is because a lot of chiropractic is studying the neurology. And as soon as I start hearing about that reciprocal inhibition, I'm like, man, the things that we're doing when we're riding kind of counteract what we need to be doing for our riding performance. So, um, so yeah, that's, that, that, hopefully that answered that question. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, it's really interesting. Now, do you, as a chiropractor and you're seeing a lot of equestrians, what are some of the most common, um, imbalances like must like skeletal wise, um, so we've talked about muscle, but like also, you know, w- or I guess where are the most problematic areas that you see? I know where mine are as a rider <laughs> and I'm interested to know if that's like a common, I'm, I'm, I'm more comparing myself right now. <laughs> sure. Um, so it, as far as restrictions go from a chiropractic perspective, definitely see a lot in the pelvis. Um, again, all of these muscle imbalances that we're talking about in the legs, all these muscles connect to the pelvis. So you really can't separate the function of the muscles and the imbalance in the muscles from the joints that they're controlling. And so, you know, it's, it's natural that we do see a lot of pelvic alignments. Now, whether I can say that that's just because they're riders or because it's 2023 and the way that we live in 2023 is honestly kind of hard to say um, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, sitting uh, a lot, <laughs> Um, walking in shoes with heels on them, which I don't mean high heels, but like even riding boots have like close to an inch heel on them or even tennis shoes have like, you know, a couple, like usually 12 or so millimeters between the heel and the toe. All of these things are changing the mechanics of really how our bodies were evolved to function. Um, and pelvis is a really big area. I will say, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm adjusting people, particularly riders, I adjust the, the pelvis a lot more than I adjust the lumbar spine, the low back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the, the lumbar area is supposed to be a very stable area of the body and the pelvis actually they've shown, they used to think that the pelvis fuses, the SI joints fuse, and it turns out they definitely don't. We want those to move. Um, but if they're not moving through their full range of motion, they are not sending feedback about kind of where the body is in space. So every, every joint and the SI joint is a huge one for it is sending feedback to the brain about where it is in space, essentially. So if the joint's not moving through its proper range of motion, you're not getting that feedback. And essentially, 
the brain doesn't really know what's going on. Those little, those little sensors in the muscles surrounding the joint are kind of the eyes of the nervous system, if you will. It gets its proprioception, if you know what that word is. Yep. Yep. We've um, talked about that. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, and so the pelvis is kind of where I always start, um, obviously looking at the entire body, but that is definitely a big area where you can see big changes throughout the whole body just by getting the SI joints aligned and moving throughout their full range of motion properly. And that goes for horses too. I'm currently doing animal chiropractic training. So that's huge in horses as well. I um, love it though. I love that because it does correlate. And so for you to be able to adjust the horse and adjust the rider would be huge because then you can see where, where alignments like I, I'm more. So what I was saying when I was comparing myself is like, I find that my SI area, my like in my pelvis and my hips go out a lot more and it's I can tell when I'm ha- start having difficulties I actually get my horse adjusted and then I get myself adjusted because usually his SI and his lower like parts are a little out and so it's kind of like the chicken and the egg did I start going out and I pushed him out or did he start going out and he pushed me out but regardless we start pushing each other and so I try to realign us at the same time so that you know we slowly deteriorate together (laughs) (laughs) no that is that's a really really good way of looking at it for sure I mean again this is probably the only sport where you're so directly tied physically with another being, let alone an animal. Yeah. Um, but you really, I mean, your, your pelvis is sitting directly on their back. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very uh, intimate as far as the physiology there. You kind of are functioning as one. So certainly you see the horse and riders imbalances often reflect each other. <laughs> now, but, speaking of pelvises, um, do you, and I, maybe this isn't, a question directly related to what we're talking. I'm, but do you ever like see like damage? Do you ever talk to your patients about like pelvic floor health? And like, um, it is definitely related. Okay. <laughs> no doubt. Okay. <laughs> um, honestly, it is not my specialty. <laughs> um, but I, definitely would talk to them about the importance of seeing somebody who it is their specialty. Um, I have a 15 month old son and when I was pregnant, I was seeing a pelvic floor PT and it was huge for both, you know, the pregnancy and birth process, but also the things that I learned there as far as recovering and so much of what I learned, I'm like, this is not pregnancy specific. This is (laughs) very related to what we're doing, working with the SI joints. And, you know, it's, just because they're muscles that we can't feel on the outside, like a bicep or a quadricep, doesn't mean that they're not equally as, if not more important. I mean, they're they're literally holding up all of your organs, plus sitting in the saddle. <laughs> you know, the way that we're using our pelvises, again, is not really how they were designed to be used. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, that that's essential for anyone who's maybe not improving with more conventional ways of care or just for somebody who wants to be you know, optimal health. <laughs> yeah. It's pelvic floor PT is, is life-changing for sure. And do you think, and like, so I'm still kind of learning about the pelvic floor and, and all of that, but that all correlates to the core. So like, if you're, if you're training all of it encompassing, you should be able to have a very steady center of balance. Yeah. And the way that, um, 
I talk a little bit about it in that workout, but I could go on for hours about using the core in a way that supports the spine and is healthy for the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is kind of another rabbit hole, but the way particularly that women have learned to breathe, um, you know, societally, we want to suck in our stomachs, look as thin as possible. And then you get on a horse and it's shoulders back, chest out, and it flares our ribs up in a way that is very not functional for the diaphragm. <laughs> um, so this can the diaphragm and the pelvic uh, pelvic floor are basically you know parallel with one another, and together they control the pressure in the abdomen. So if we're not using our diaphragm properly, it's not translating the pressure of our breath to our pelvic floor properly, and it's it's all, I mean, everything's related in the body, right? Right. But just training proper breathing mechanics while exercising, assuming you don't have, you know, other pelvic floor dysfunctions that need some additional work from a professional. Again, I certainly don't want to say I'm a pelvic floor expert. (laughs) Please be one if you have additional issues. However, you know, using proper breathing mechanics certainly can help support a healthy pelvic floor and healthy core and other, other such things like that. And just to kind of circle back when you asked about common things in the rider, um, another thing that I see often in riders, but also in part because it's 2023 and what what we do these days, you know, you can imagine if you're sitting at a desk all day, your shoulders rounded forward, you're kind of slumped over, and then you get on the horse and you have to go shoulders back and sit really tall. We don't necessarily have that shoulder mobility. We've got those adhesions built up from that poor posture all day. And so, again, that's where that rib flare comes in, where the, the instead of being able to just bring the shoulders back, the entire upper rib cage kind of comes up. And you can kind of, like, if you put your hands on your rib cage, feel those ribs kind of flare out in front of you. And not only is that, you know, poor for breathing mechanics, poor for pelvic health, but it also puts the core at a stretch. <laughs> the whole front of the of the core is now at extension and the low back is also at extension. You've got hyperlordosis or an extra curve in the low back. And so, you know, that's, I think riders in particular get a lot of that because we are kind of drilled in good posture, which is great <laughs> if we have the mobility to get to that. But that's sometimes where chiropractically it's like, Hey, we, we can actually make a difference getting some of that, those restrictions moving again. And then with proper rehab and, exercises and whatnot maintain that mobility for both health and for riding performance. And that's actually super interesting. I'm, uh, I'm like taking notes over here. I'm like, okay, so, (laughs) um, the, what are some, you, you mentioned like crunches and things like that are not ideal for, for what we're trying to get out of our, our core stability. What are some exercises that, you know, I mean, it's really hard. Uh, Your video is great and I'm going to put a link to it, um, in our show notes, but can you describe a few exercises for briefly for some of the listeners? Sure. Yeah. So any of those single leg exercises when done with proper breathing mechanics, which is really kind of keeping that rib cage dropped, breathing into the belly. And then once you have that, that air kind of traveling to the belly, um, then starting to activate the core and try to do what's called 360 breathing. So basically when you breathe in, you want to feel the air expand everywhere from your belly to your sides, to your back. And when I first instruct people to do this, they're like, "I, I don't understand. How do I get my breath to go to my back? And then they start trying to breathe into their chest again. And so 
it does take a little bit of practice. So kind of putting your hand on your belly versus your chest and feeling that air really traveling all the way down, visualizing the diaphragm at the bottom of the ribs, expanding into the abdomen, and then figuring out how to activate those core muscles in a way that that breath travels around the entire spine. So the core is more than just the abs, obviously. And there are actually no muscles in the front of the spine that support the spine. The only thing that puts pressure on our spine from the front to stabilize it is the pressure in our abdomen. So if we're not properly pressurizing our abdomen through the activation of our core, it really can destabilize the core and create a lot of issues as far as, you know, low back pain and other other functional issues you see degeneration over time. So really working on that breathing mechanic. And then once you understand how to pressurize your abdomen, doing that throughout all of the exercises. So if you had zero hours a day to do any core exercises, but you breathed properly all the time, and especially while exercising, but even like sitting at work, honestly, and working on that 360 breathing, that's the most functional way because you are breathing all hours of the day. If you're breathing properly, you are doing an app <laughs> workout all hours of the day, <laughs> which is great. So that's great news for people who don't have a lot of spare time. <laughs> you can work Beyond, out while you're working. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it actually relaxes you too. It's really yeah. good for your hormones and everything else to have proper breathing mechanics. So um, as far as, you know, specific ab workouts, because I know people really like to do ab workouts too. Um, <laughs> planks are great. Um, again, planking with proper breathing mechanics. If you arch the low back, if you have your butt way in the air, if you're, if it hurts, it's not helping you. So if you're breathing with proper mechanics, planks can be really good. Um, doing planks where you, if you want to make it more challenging, where you lift one foot, lift one hand, lift opposite arm, opposite leg, anything that's involved keeping your pelvis level and your core stable while breathing and while kind of destabilizing yourself is going to be applicable to riding because, you know, we are on a moving being who may or may not jump sideways at any moment and uh, we need to stay stable in ourselves. Yeah. So those are really good. Um, and then even, you know, going kind of the other direction of an easier version, um, bird dogs are a really good exercise. They're one of the first ones that you recommend as far as a low back rehab because you are moving your extremities off of midline while keeping the core stable. So again, breathing through that, um, dead bug is another one where you're dead kind bugs of on are my favorite. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> dead bugs are awesome. Again, both for low back rehab and just general fitness. Um, but yeah, anything for riding where you're kind of keeping your core stable and moving other things off of it is going to be, um, the most beneficial as far as a core targeted exercise. This is super fascinating. Um, where can people find you? So if they want to, you know, go find your videos, I'm going to share the one that you specifically shared on that Facebook group. Um, but sell us all of your socials, everything so that people can find you. <laughs> my, I am working on building my online presence. I'm a one woman <laughs> shop who's a horse trainer, a new mom and a chiropractor. So I'm working on it. Oh my um, gosh. But I do, <laughs> I do have a website, which is specific performance, Cairo.com. I, I do have a blog on that where I've been working on updating the content on having some relevant, relevant topics for riders. And then Instagram is probably where I post the most. That's at Pacific performance, Cairo. Um, my personal Instagram, if you're interested in my 
pictures of my horse or my wild son is um, at Jamie K. Shorts, J-A-M-I-E-K-S-H-O-R-T-Z. And I am on Facebook as Jamie Shorts. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. And then also just for everyone, she is based in California um, in the Bay Area. So all of our Bay Area listeners, we do have a couple of those. Um, check her out because it's definitely, I think, worth uh, having a visit. So check her out at Pacific Performance Chiropractic. And we'll... To probably have you back on because you're just super smart and I love super smart people coming on this show. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy talking to you guys. Well, we can have Jamie back anytime. She's fascinating. Isn't she? She's super smart. I've been, we've been very lucky with the guests and they're, they're great. They explain things so well. I was doing that breathing exercise while she was talking and I, I didn't <laughs> want to interrupt her, but I was like, oh my gosh, like it really does work. But you mean you have to really visualize, but you can do those breathing and like really picturing it go down and around. And it actually made my pelvis tilt forward in the way that it's supposed to, you know, because Ooh, as, really as we ride, as we ride, we kind of build up that, you know, I'm I'm convinced every rider has a small degree of scoliosis of some sort because we're taught to kind of sit tall and and our pelvis, you know, unaligns itself to kind of get with the motion of the horse. But as you're breathing, it kind of rocked my pelvis back into that neutral position. And I really felt my core working as it, it was really cool. I, I encourage people to at least try it, you know. Yeah, interesting and, stuff. <laughs> and she made a good point. Be, and this is what resonated with me about the conversation. I sit at a desk for a living. Yes. And it is very easy to fall into the habit of literally sitting at the desk. And I'll be at this desk for 10 to 12 hours a day, five days a week. So I have to work very hard to force myself to use the standing feature of my desk. So I'm standing up. And to move around and to, Glenn's much better about this, and to get up and move around the house. So we'll take every hour, we'll each take five or 10 minutes and go do housework or go out and work in the backyard or walk around the block or something just to move. <laughs> because that extended period of stillness is so bad for you. It's like a horse who has to stand in a stall. And some horses, when they stand in their stall, they move about. They walk around, they stir the bedding and make a mess, they fight with their neighbor, and some horses are in their stalls, basically just stand there. Yep. And that is so bad for them, too, but humans do it a lot more because we work in situations where you're kind of stuck with that. You're standing at a cash register, or sitting at a desk, or the like. So, you know, take that, take that time to do something. Anything. And uh, like I said, oftentimes, uh, go fold the laundry. At least it's up. It's moving around. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> well, and even, um, and I don't know how it would work with a with an office chair, but one of the chiropractors that I go to from time to time um, has this seat that you put on a chair and you can 360 roll it around. And... Like it, that, I think would be great for riding because I noticed I like, I mean, as you're typing, you could do like, it's kind of like a hula hoop 
like, but mm-hmm. with for your seat bones, mm-hmm. and you can roll it around. And I'm really good rolling from right to left, like counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. But when I go to go clockwise, I have a harder time. My range of motion isn't quite as as good, and it kind of points it out. And so I don't. And honestly, I'm don't know what it's called, but I'm sure I can find it and share on Facebook with, with the group. Um, but that would be really interesting to do too. Like, so as you're actually have to do your paperwork and do your typing, I mean, you could stick that on and, and at least rock and roll a little bit. <laughs> there, there's so many things, just find anything, just move, get creative. If you want just to move just find something, move, do move your around. breathing exercise, do a breathing you know? exercise. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I only recently dawned on me and had a light bulb moment that I have become very proficient at being incredibly still for hours. And I'll and I'll get go to get a drink of water or something, and I'll stand up and I'll realize that I literally have not moved a muscle in two hours. Th- that's just not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just not good, Jennifer. No. Just move around. Twi- well, twitch more. It, Glenn is much it, more twitchy. He is much more prone to getting up and moving well, around. He he's ADHD. twitchy to the point. That it's bad, you know. He's yeah. just the well. He has ADHD, opposite. so he's, he's seriously twitchy. <laughs> um, but I, you know, it's it's funny because it does create a muscle memory, and then I see it when I teach people that you know have office jobs, and I'm like, lift your chin up, lift your chin up, and they think that they are lifting their chin, but because they're so busy typing and their chin's permanently down. kind of at that lower yeah. angle, you know, that is their up. And yes. so I'm like, no, like lift it so much that it feels like you're sticking your nose in the air, like you're a snob <laughs> and just like, oh, I can't even think to be here right now. And I was like, oh, look, now it's level. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, no, that's how much you have to lift up. And it's the age of the cell phone, right? We all do it. We all hold yep. our cell phones low and look down too. So, I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. We're, whether it's a keyboard or a phone, we're, yeah. we're constantly looking down. Yeah. And training our neck to be in a down. curved down position. Yeah. yeah. And since we're on the topic of trying to keep ourselves fit as best we can, I get to do the exercise of the month this time because, yeah. because uh, Kayla did everything else for the show. <laughs> <laughs> what she's saying is Kayla was slacking. And <laughs> no, it's because you did everything else. It was my turn to help out. I like Something that, that Glenn and I have leaned into periodically over the past few years is hiking. We both discover late in life that we love hiking. And again, light bulb morning moment this morning. We went out for our morning hike. We'll try to get out in the morning and do a couple of miles before horses in the morning get started. And you talked earlier about part of the fitness regime for our horses is lengthening and shortening within a gait. You stretch them out, you bring them back. You stretch them out, you bring them back. It's great for their longitudinal fitness it's great for them cardiovascularly. It's a good exercise. Well, out hiking, I need to do that because when you're walking for a long period of time, you take the exact same step every single time. And you are going, it's a little bit like if you were to ride your horse and only ever do a working trot. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to create muscle memory, but it's only going to be one muscle memory. You need to have that flexibility, the right ability. Yes. Yeah. So you need to do that as a human. So let's say your fitness regime consists of 
turning out and bringing in 18 horses every day. So you put in, you know, 15,000 steps every single day. So you don't go hiking, but take the time to be cognizant of changing your gait. Walk faster, walk slower, walk with your, as if you were making a turn on a jump course so that you're walking in a straight line, but your chest is turning to the left as if they were going to make a left-hand turn and change that up the same way you would with your horse doing flat work. And I was surprised when I was cognizant of that and started to do it, how much my body said, wow, this is harder work. This is, I was working different muscles than I would if I was just strolling along thoughtlessly. It was very interesting. Well, and I'll build on that, Jen. So also, I think that we don't realize sometimes that we, we, when we walk, we don't always follow through equally left to right. Oh, no. So the <laughs> fact that you like, and so you get into this, like, okay, left, right, left, right. But maybe your, your right step because you're right handed is a little bit more powerful. So the push off, you know, it's a bigger step than, than on your left side, where if you're like, you're focusing on stepping bigger and then stepping smaller and stepping bigger, you're actually going to regulate your footfall as well. <gasps> and you're going to actually build your, your side to side muscles to be Good. a little bit more equal, Good you know? Point. So I, yeah. I like your exercise of the, of the month. This is, yeah. or the day, the month, the, the yeah. week, whatever. It, it's something you can incorporate into anything. If you're a mall shop, a mall walker, yeah. You know, some people, if you live in upper Michigan and it's January, you're not going to be walking outside any more than you absolutely no. have to. If you're a mall walker, you can still do it. Yep. Yeah. And I, I like to have something in my hands. I either will carry like those really lightweight wrist weights mm -hmm. or for me, my favorite are my hiking poles, which you can, you know, there's a myriad of hiking poles out there because then I am better about using my arms appropriately when I'm going along. And you can also change it up. Again, create new muscle memory. Okay, my arms swing this way when I walk. Oh, let's reverse it and swing them the opposite direction of what I normally do. You're creating a new neural, neural pattern pathway. in your brain. Yeah. yeah new, new <laughs> there we go. Well, I'm going to hang it up there. I'll talk all day long about our exercise. <laughs> we're, we're so nerdy. I, I could we're talk so about nerdy. this all day. Yeah. <laughs> so when people want to stalk you appropriately, Kayla, online, where are they going to find you? <sighs> so they can find me um, on Facebook, Kayla Benny, um, on Instagram at Selkuth Sport Horses is probably where I share the most. Um, I have a Selkuth Sport Horses Facebook page as well. That's where you'll find all my riding information, um, a lot of videos of Doki and Kensington and all the other horses that I get have the pleasure of showing. Um, TotalEquahealth.com. Uh, for Total Equal Health, we've got uh, a TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook page. I also have my personal TikTok page, which is very embarrassing, um, Kayla Benny. And yeah, and you can find the links to today's guests and show notes at HorsesInTheMorning.com. And you can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search Horses in the Morning. And thank you to Total Equa Health. Visit Total Equa Health at totalequahealth.com. That's E-Q-U-I health.com. And remember, riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful. Give your horse a pat after every ride. Mm -hmm.